Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you'll join me in the book of Luke. We'll, we'll read one portion of scripture, Luke 12. And then we'll we'll kind of we'll kind of stay a little bit in Psalm 81. Luke 12 and 32. This is Jesus talking. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You can be seated this morning. It's been said, and, and I certainly agree with the sentiment that every message, every sermon comes down to a singular question, and it's simply this, will you? Everything that's ever been taught, everything that's ever been spoken by a prophet of God or a, a messenger of God, it always comes down to a singular statement or question, will you? We're entering into a giving season. Now, the world would paint that in the other, with another brush and say that we're, we're coming into a getting season. But it really isn't meant to be that way. It's a giving season. And as the portion of Scripture I just read, it is God's good pleasure to give. Self-reliance is probably one of the most deceitful things that a person can ascribe to. To believe or to, to take on the mindset that one can make it by themselves or make it on their own or perhaps to do it in their own way, whatever that may be, is really and truly a false belief. You see, what we possess and, and what we have and what we have obtained was not obtained on our own in anything good in anyone's life that they can point to, mine and anyone else, was not a result of their own expertise or their own savvy sense. What we have and what I have, even our own breath was given to us. It was purchased. It was bought and then forwarded to us by mercy and by grace we possess it. Every good gift, James said, and every perfect gift are from above and comes from God himself. And so I'm not really sure what it is about the human condition. The most obvious answer, obviously, today is the sin nature that resides in mankind, but I'm not sure really what to call it. This innate desire to want more or perhaps something different than the current status. It's as old as the garden, I suppose. It's, it's as old as Adam and Eve to, to oppose or to violate the word of God, either by way of curiosity or 
this innate desire to go beyond what is present. I don't know what to call it. It just seems to be this ever-present thing in man. You can look all over as people drive themselves crazy to fill their lives with everything that they can. The desire to have more, to do more, to go beyond as if what God has already provided isn't sufficient. This can be seen throughout the existence of man and perhaps most evidently identified in the most comprehensive of nature and that in the birth and the existence of the nation of Israel. God called them. God chose them. Their origin, the nation themselves were birthed from a call and a subsequent obedience of one man, Abraham. Called out of idolatry, called out of an idolatrous heritage into becoming the friend of God. And God promised him. He promised him that he would make of him a great nation and out of his lineage God did just that. Through the promised son Isaac and Jacob who would have an encounter with God that would transform his entire life into what we know now as the nation of Israel. But they had their own downfall. They had their own, their own backsliding, if you will, because they sold their brother into slavery. They sent him into another idolatrous nation. Now God turned that for good. He used that for good. But while they were there, what was once a refuge, what was once caused them so much, so much uh, substance and, su- and sustenance in their lives became a prison to them. Suffered to build in the infrastructure of an idolatrous and evil empire. They did what anyone with any sense would do. And they cried unto God. God did in fact deliver them and he raised them up a man by the name of Moses along with his brother Aaron and with a miraculous and with a strong hand he brought them out of that nation. And so I'd like to turn your attention this morning to the book of Psalm chapter 81 and perhaps a more comprehensive summation of what we are discussing here this morning. It's a psalm that reminds the nation of Israel of this very act that we have discussed, calling them out of an idolatrous nation. They cried unto him and he heard their cry and he pulled them out of bondage. In verses 1 and 2 of the psalm, the psalmist opens this corporate praise by calling the nation to praise God with song and with instruments. Verse 3 indicates this psalm was meant to be used at the time of a new moon feast which the Lord commanded when he rescued Israel from Egypt. An unintended consequence, as we've already said, what began as a refuge became a prison bound by masters who ruled over them, oppressed them, and used them for their own gain. But they cried unto God with their voice, and God heard their cry. 
Exodus 2 and 3, 23, he not only heard their cry, but this is what the Bible says. And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage and God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and had respect unto them. God called Moses out of obscurity to go and rescue a people who were destined to live in obscurity. He pulled them out and equipped them to be the mouthpiece of the great God Jehovah. And with an outstretched hand, God with his miraculous power delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians, but it was not without requirement. You see, throughout the book of Exodus, we can read when Moses had his encounter with Pharaoh and he went to him as the mouthpiece of God to negotiate Israel's release, we can see this constant phrase throughout, let my people go that they may serve me. Let my people go so that they may serve me in the wilderness. But it wasn't long. If we just read just on the other side of that Red Sea triumph that Israel began to murmur and to complain about what was in their present and Israel began to forget or even perhaps neglect their purpose and their position with God. And so Psalm 81 is very unique. And I asked the Lord, why this psalm? Why would I have to come across this? Every psalm is so nice and so sweet. It talks about Jesus and the triumph and everything. But Psalm 81, the most unique psalm of all. It's unique in the sense that it's a call to celebration, exactly what we think the psalms are. It's singing, it's psalms, it's jubilance, it's joy. But it's mixed with warning. Combined with religious celebration, the psalm is intertwined with warning to obey God. In verses 6 through 7, the psalmist depicts God's direct address to Israel. He alludes to the exodus from Egypt as well as the revelation at Sinai, the commandments that came about in that mountain and Israel's idolatry in the wilderness. God expresses his concern for Israel by stating that he desires them to obey him. I called you to obey me. I called you to be set apart unto me. In verse 10, he, decide, he, he declares his desire that he cares for them, that he's not trying to pull them out of oppression to then place them back under oppression, but he is calling them out of oppression to put them under the auspices of liberty because he cares for them and he desires for them to be complete and absolutely successful in him. But it's here in verses 11 and 12 that things become a little more personal. Psalm 81 and 8, God, this is God speaking to Israel. Hear, O my people, and I will testify unto thee. O Israel, if thou wilt hearken unto me, there shall no strange God be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out 
of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. But verse 11, but my people would not hearken to my voice and Israel would none of me. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lusts and they walked in their own counsels. God calls them to praise. He calls them to a moment of jubilance while at the same time speaks of them and directly to them saying to their faces they will not listen to me and so he allows them to walk and choose their own path. There are fewer, few more recipes. There are few more sure recipes for disaster than the previous statements. It is absolutely impossible for man to direct his own way or to clear his own path. I'm standing in front of a lot of smart people. I'm standing in front of a lot of intelligent people today and so I am not in any way trying to insult your intelligence because I will be at the top of the list and I will be in the front of the line. But I'm here to tell you that there is absolutely nothing that you can do on your own that will wind up in anything but defeat and deceit and, and, and misunderstanding because man is incapable of being his own savior and he is ill-equipped to govern himself. The Lord called out Israel. He called the whole nation out of bondage to be a people who were set apart unto him. And he called them out of darkness and into his marvelous light that they would be a people for his glory and for his honor and for his purpose in the earth. He called them to be always obedient to his word and he is still in the calling business. Can I tell you this morning, he's the same as already been said. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today. And he'll be the same tomorrow when we wake up. If he called Israel out of darkness and into light, he's still calling here today. His voice is still speaking. He's still in the calling out business. And he's still in the business of making covenants. He will make a covenant with you. He will call you out. And he will set your feet on on solid ground. If you need him, he can still hear. He's not hard of hearing. If you need him, he can still hear your voice. It doesn't matter what time of day or night or day of week. It does not matter. He can still heal. He can still hear. And he can still deliver. He is still in the delivering. And he is still in the rescuing business this morning. But he is not doing it for nothing. He's not in the business of calling out and setting feet on solid ground for the sake of nothing. Easy believism has tainted that. They've made it, they've made it a mockery that you can just profess with your lips one thing and live something different with your life and that God is just going to accept it. God expects us to obey His commandments. The Lord doesn't call out 
and then allow us to just live by our own set of edicts that are erected in our own minds. But he calls us to a life of obedience. It was never meant to be easy. He knew that it wouldn't be easy. He was there in the garden when it happened. He wasn't, he wasn't off somewhere just having a joy ride and then came back to say, what happened here? No, he didn't ask Adam, where are you, Adam? Because he didn't know where he was. He wanted Adam to tell him where he was. He knew exactly where he was. And he knew exactly what he was going to do. And so he knew that it wouldn't be easy. But he knew that it would be paramount to the survival of man. He knew that it wouldn't be easy. And we need to know something here today. It will not be easy, but it can be done. And it will take our maximum effort. You see, these verses remind us that, yes, we are incapable of doing anything on our own and that any attempt to do so is futile and that any attempt to do it outside of the will of God is absent of success. But he didn't just tell us one side of the story. He didn't just say it's, you're incapable of doing anything on your own and then leaving us that way. He's given us his word. You see, these, these verses remind us of Psalm 1, what the, what the prophet David said, what the man of God said, the man after God's own heart. This is what he said success would look like. Psalm 1 and 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the in the seat of the scornful. David had lived long enough to know that, that man can't help me. There's nobody that I can go to that's going to be able to help me through this. If anything is going to be done, it's going to be by the word of God and by the grace of God and by his power. And so I'm going to put my mind and my body and my soul in everything that God says. And this is what he said. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. It's in his word. Everything that I do, everything that I say, everywhere that I go, I'm going to delight in his law. I'm going to put my heart into the mode of obedience, and I am going to meditate in his law day and night. I can't afford to seek any other counsel. I can't afford to go uh, the, the way of, of some and try to, to do things on my own. I cannot afford to not seek God all of the time. I can't just seek him some of the time and then try to do everything else on my own the other part of the time. But I've got to wake up in the morning with my mind made up and my mind set that no matter what happens, God, I'm going to do it your way and I'm going to do it by your word. I'm going to seek him day and night and I'm going to do it with a mindset to follow whatever he says with a steadfast commitment. Isaiah 55 and 6, it warns us and this ought to wake us up. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Let me say that again. Seek him while he can be found. Not when it's too late. Not when you're old and gray. But do it today. While you still got life. While you still got breath. While you still got an opportunity. You're in the house of miracles this morning. If you need something from God, seek him now while he may be found. 
don't wait forsake your way and go his way it might not always seem right it might not always feel just right because we might not always understand anything but he explained that too in verse 8 for thou for my thoughts they're not your thoughts neither are my ways your ways saith the Lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts and so I'll say it again we cannot do this on our own. We don't have it within us to do it unless it's the Spirit of God. I, I might not always understand completely. I might not get every single thing down right. Let me just slow down here for a moment. You might not be able to quote every verse in the Bible. You might not understand completely why you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. But obedience, if you'll just step out in faith, I'm not telling you to just blindly follow something someone says. You can read it in the book. Unless a man is born again of water and of spirit, he cannot enter. He cannot see the kingdom of God. So I might not always get it just fully, but if I'll just step out in faith, if I'll just obey His Word, if I'll just give myself to Him fully, obedience will always end in blessing. But here's where we, where we come into the crux. Here's where we come into the hiccup. Because we have a will. And we have a will. And I don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers but can override the will of God. The creator of heaven and an earth, with his voice he spoke it and it became the power that is in that. The power that is in his will, the man can override. It's frightening. Psalm 81 and 13. The Lord laments over the children of Israel. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me and Israel had walked in my ways. Oh, that my people that I rescued out of bondage, that I brought you out of a terrible situation only if they had hearkened unto me and walked in my ways. God again expresses his desires that Israel would listen to him. If only, if only, if only, he says in verse 14 through 15, I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him. But speaking of Israel, but their time should have endured forever. If only, if only he would have helped them. If only he would have helped them against their enemies. 
if only they had followed his ways and if only they would have obeyed his commandments if only he had not turned them to their own judgments and their own desires if only they had listened to him and followed him implicitly if only never were there so more frightening words uttered against a people if only if you would have only listened it's the easiest thing you can do it's just listen to me and do what I've called you to do if only I would have done this and I would have done that and I would have done that it seems to be this repeating pattern Israel cries and God rescues and saves Israel backslides seeks other things Israel gets into a tight spot and cries unto God and God again rescues and saves but it's not long after that we see them again in a constant state of wandering and a roller coaster of a lifestyle that dips and dives from highs to lows and everything in between and everything that was done was done unnecessarily and all the while God is in the background lamenting if only you would listen to me I don't know who I'm talking to this morning but if you would only give yourself to him completely and fully and wholly your mind your body and your soul this is what he said in verse 16 he should have fed them also with the finest of wheat and with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied these perhaps the tragedy of tragedies we are only left with what could have been we don't know because they didn't do it we don't know because they never gave God their fullest we don't know and all we're left with is what would have what would have been and I'm here to tell somebody this morning that we won't know what will become of you if you don't let God do what he wants to do in your life I feel like he is speaking in this hour and he's saying if you'll just give yourself to me if you'll just turn your life over to me if you'll just walk toward me I'll silence every voice I'll put to silence every naysayer everyone that would speak against you to try to deter you or try to turn you back I'll silence those voices and I will supply everything you need I will supply everything that you need and I will do it in the finest of ways Had they just obeyed his word? Should they have just surrendered to his perfect will for their life? Had they just given themselves to him without reserve and without waver and without malcontent? God said, I would have given Israel everything she needed. But she wanted other things. I had it all set up for you. I had a life that was that was mandated for you. I had a land that flowed with milk and honey and I was going to give it into your hand. The promise was just before you, but you sought other things. Bible says that he would have fed them with the finest of wheat. 
And with honey out of the rock, he would have satisfied them. The fine wheat signifies and represents the things that are needed. Those basic necessities, those core values, those core principles that you need in your life. I would have given it to you, yet he said, fine, wheat. Not just wheat, not just to scrape by with, but I would do it with an additive of excellence. The honey is the choicest commodities. It's not just the basic need. It's not just the bare minimum. It's not just the baseline, but the honey is the above and the beyond, that basic level of need. Can I say it like this? It's honey. It's a, it's a rare commodity. It's hard to come by. It's hard to get your hands on but I know where it's at and I can give it to you and I can provide it to you if you'll just give yourself to me. Can I say it like this? It's the spirit. It's the spirit of God. We're not just talking about clothes and houses and cars and homes. We're not just talking about the basic necessities but I'm telling you I can give you something that will take you beyond this world and into the next. I can give Give you something that will satisfy your soul and it will sustain you and it will take you beyond what you need into what you desire. And the rock, the rock, we don't have to think about that very long. The rock just represents Jesus himself. And so what he's pointing to, if you'll just listen to me, if you'll just do my will, if you'll just step out in faith, don't murmur, don't complain. You can question, but I'll give you the answer. And when I give you the answer, just do what I said to do, and I will supply your every need. I will fulfill your life. I will fill you with my spirit, and I will take you beyond what you can be on your own. He's the lawgiver. He's the substance. He's the spirit. He's the honey. And he's the eternal life that is beyond the temporary. And so can I just bring this down to where we are right now here today. What perhaps was once a Christian nation, I'm talking about America, has, has slowly but surely lost its moral footing. She has forgotten the source of her strength. And she has forgotten who enabled her in becoming who she is. And in scores people are careening headlong into depression and into anxiety and into depravity seeking the temporal over the eternal the carnal over the spiritual and the filthy over the righteous but I hear a voice that is crying in the wilderness prepare you the way of the Lord I hear a voice today that's saying there's honey in the rock there's so much satisfaction for your soul if you'll just listen to me if you'll just turn your heart to me I will do what it is that I can do he's saying if you will then I will if you'll give your heart to me I'll show you every day every waking moment I'll show you who I am and how I can supply your need I'm here to tell you this morning that I know for a surety that there's honey in the rock there's a spirit here it is his spirit 
It is eternal, and it is here for you, and it is here right now. If you don't understand that, the spirit, if you don't understand the honey in the rock reference, let me say it the way we would say it. Everything you need, everything you need is right here, right now, and is here for the taking. No matter what the world does, no matter what way they might take, no matter what path they beat down, I know without a shadow of a doubt that there is honey in the rock and there is satisfaction for your soul. I know where my strength comes from and I know which hill I can look to for which cometh my help and I know in whom I have believed and I'm here to tell you this morning that he is able. He is able and he is willing to give you whatever it is that you desire in his riches in glory. And so fear not, little flock. Fear not what tomorrow might be, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's interesting that he uses the phrase little flock. It's perhaps unique to Luke in his writings. Not in a condescending way, God. Jesus manifests in the flesh directly, speaking and pointing to the insignificance and the helplessness of his audience. Not condescendingly, not mean and hurtful, but with a term of endearment, fear not, little flock. I know you can't do this on your own. I formed you. I made you. I called you out. And I made you who you are. Fear not. Fear not. And so from a list of comparisons, the Lord speaks to the handful of disciples, explaining and reiterating God's desire to care for them. He warns against seeking after temporal things and worrying themselves with attempting to fill bags with holes in them. Yet, he's admonishing them to lay up treasures in eternal places where the temporal cannot degrade them. And he reimports and he reiterates the importance of the kingdom and then expresses his desire. Fear not. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry what you're going to eat or what you're going to put on or where you're even going to go tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow and the effects of it, but place all your trust in him today, right now, in this moment. I'm trying to get someone to connect. Let's connect our faith together right now. And I'm telling you that there is there is honey in the rock and there is satisfaction and the kingdom is here right now. And it is God desire to give you that kingdom it's a vast eternal kingdom it's not it's not incomplete it's not without limits it's not without walls but it is a vast eternal kingdom to operate within in the authority and in the unction of God and I cannot afford to settle for God for just a temporal piece of ground when he's offering me the kingdom of God. You see, this world can only offer what is temporal. 
It cannot go beyond that. But God is offering the kingdom. His storehouses are not bare, but they're full. The choice substance and the choice sustenance are available. And all that you've ever needed is right here. And it is found in Him. Not meager offerings. Not an existence to scrape by. But an offering of a citizenship to an eternal kingdom of which Isaiah said there will be no end to his peace and his government. He's offering right here, right now. It's already been spoken of this morning. He's already offered. It's already here. He's still offering abundant life. He's been offering all through every song, every, every, every prayer that's been prayed, every word that's been spoken. God has potentially offered the kingdom to anyone who wants it. Physical constraints to your flesh can be broken down because he's offering a spiritual, a deep commitment to the, to the spirit and a gift that keeps on giving. Your basic needs can be met, yes but it goes way, way way beyond that because he's promised he will subdue your enemy. He will put him in the ground. He will equip you to live in abundance and shower you with spiritual blessings upon which you cannot measure and even when it doesn't look like blessing, he's still going to keep Keep blessing you because it's the kingdom of God and it has no end. And so here, let me just tell you what I feel like God wants to do in the next few moments. I believe this within with everything that is within me, but I believe that God wants to turn your anxiety into peace. I believe that God wants to exchange your confusion for clarity. I believe that God wants to exchange your distrust for trust in Him. He wants to turn your failures into triumphs. He wants to turn your doubt into confidence and your uncertainty into steadfast determination to hear his word, to obey his word, and live according to his purpose. And I'm closing. And so in its most immediate context, Jesus is talking about anxiety and worry about seeking earthly and worldly things. He's admonishing those who are listening to seek after the eternal rather than the temporal. However, the overall sentiment is trust. Psalm 81, while contextually he's speaking to Israel, their deliverance, their wilderness journey, the call to worship and his exploits for them while chiding them for their disobedience and failure to listen and obey his commandments. Its overarching theme ties into this very moment. It's what we started with. Will you? Will you do what God has asked you to do? Will you obey his word? Will you give yourself to him? It all really comes down to trust. And so the question is, do we really do we really trust God? 
Now we can say that with our lips. And in a moment like this, it's easy to say it. Oh man, it's easy to say it. I know we're coming into Christmas. This is not a Christmas message. It's easy to say that now. What if you're standing on a job with a pink slip in your hand? What if you get offered a job that's 700 miles away and there's no church to take your family? Say we trust God, but do we really rely on Him? We rely on Him when tragedy strikes. We're up against the wall and we finally come to the realization that we don't know what we're doing. We rely on Him when the ensuing calamity is upon us, but what about the everyday? We only rely on Him for the hard things and then lean on our own understanding for things that we feel like we can take care of. Things that we can handle on our own. An entire generation wandered longer than they should have because of distrust and disobedience. They just couldn't seem to go all in. Moses there's water in front of us and we can't go anywhere because the enemy is behind us. And God stretched forth His hand and moved the water so that they, they didn't walk in knee-deep mud. They walked across on dry land and they praised God for it on the other side. But it wasn't three steps later and they were already complaining, have you brought us here to die so we know He's a miracle-working God. He's already proven Himself to be. But do we really trust Him? Will we really go all in with Him? The Red Sea was not the end. There was a land that flowed with milk and honey that was above and beyond where they were. And even though a generation finally entered into that promise, there were still those who settled for the outskirts. And so there again, we're only left with what could have been. What could have been? What if? Perhaps. We don't know. And so that's all we're left with. And I'm coming to a close here this morning. And I know that it's after lunchtime. But I feel like God is wanting to do something special in this house. I don't want to live with what if in my rearview mirror. I don't want to live with what could have been had I just give myself to Him. 
I don't want to live with a memory of what could have been or what may have been if I had served God faithfully. And I don't want to live with a conscious thought that if I had lived how he wanted me to, if I had surrendered my heart and and my mind to his will, that he would have done. But he didn't because he couldn't. Because my will overrode his will. And so as we stand this morning, We've come to the crux of the matter. The question is, will you? And you can fill in that blank because you're the only one who knows what God has asked you to do. You're the only one who can fill in that blank because God's been talking to you about something, about giving your heart to Him fully, about stepping in to His will and His purpose. But there's something in your flesh that's trying to keep you back. I believe right now God wants to fill somebody with His Spirit. He wants to give you the kingdom. If you want it, you can have it. We're not talking about some moment of speaking in tongues. If you get the Holy Ghost, you will speak in tongues. That's not what we're talking about here this morning. We already know that. We've settled that. It's true. We're talking about the kingdom. It goes beyond just that moment. But we're talking about in the morning when you wake up. And next week when you wake up. And next next month when you go to bed. That spirit is on the inside of you. Because you've given your heart to him. And he's put his heart in you. And so I don't want to live with what if. I want to live with he did I don't want to live with what could have been I want to live with I did so he did I stepped out and he filled me I stepped out and he called me I stepped out and he used me I stepped out and I became what he called me to become which is the son or the daughter of God and so I need now the church to lift up your hands and to lift up your voice and cry unto God with a voice of triumph and let God do his will and have his way in this house today don't be ashamed of who's around you don't think about what's going on tomorrow or the next day but give your heart to him now step into his will now and do what he's called you to do now let him fill you let him refill you Let him empower you and equip you to do the will of God in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, why don't we just spend a moment here praying? Why don't we just spend a moment here in God's presence, allowing him to transform our minds into his way of thinking? In Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.